All right, all right. If you would find a seat, we'll get started. Welcome, welcome. Not yet. You can, you're welcome to stand next to me. Good morning. Welcome back. Well, we're early, so half the rest of the church will be here in about half an hour. We'll pray, we'll pray for them. Either they, they didn't know I was coming back today, and they thought I was okay to sleep in, or they did know I was coming back today. Either way, I don't care, because I am happy. Come along if you know that happened. Do you know why he sings, you know, happiness is a room without a roof? Isn't that a weird line in that song? Did you know why? That's a very spiritual way to think about it. He actually went to a studio. He took a tour of a studio. And in the studio, it was designed in such a way that there was this big section where there was like no fish, like a ceiling. And it was um, a balcony was up above it. And it's a famous place where they would record from up in that balcony. And it just, when they would... Uh, the bands would come and record in the studio. It would just, the way they designed it, it was so, f- so fantastic and so unique that they would get this special sound. And so he thought, that makes me happy. And that's where that line came from. <laughs> Happiness is a room without a roof. It's talking about that studio. And now you know. <laughs> Church is educational. <laughs> well, I got a question. Are you guys glad to be here today? Awesome, good, good, because we got a lot of good stuff we're going to do today. We're going to flip stuff around. Everybody likes change here. Yes, we just love change for change's sake. But we are going to switch stuff up today. I am going to preach first. Um, I know a lot of you are anxious to hear about my journey, and today is going to be a part. I'm going to share a small part of that journey but it's, uh, I want to I wanna get it out there first because I just feel like it's an urgent part of what I need to share. But before I do that, so quick, quick couple announcements. Everybody got one of these, right? Everybody have these? Okay, good. Go home. Memorize them today at lunch. Make a game, a board game out of them with your kids, you know. Get little pieces and roll the dice and put it on a square. And it works. So anyway, lots of good stuff. Prayer walks next Sunday. Alger's got that, right? We're going to continue to blast our community with intercession. So let's do that. Ashley has a quick announcement. She wants to tell you about her coffee and how wonderful it is. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I just wanted to make you guys aware that um, Andrea Wisman is still... Wisman Wisman is still in um, Brazil on doing some mission stuff. She went with Iris Ministries, and she ended up staying an extra three months. Um, But she is in kind of an immediate need of some financial help. She's done most of it on her own except for what came in here. Um, So she's in need right now of probably about 425. So if you guys um, feel led to bless her, you can put it in the offering today in her name. And Carmen Cash is going to be sharing next week a little video, I think, kind of what she's doing, and so you get a little bit better of an idea. But I just wanted to make you guys aware of that. Good challenger. Yeah, so if you, if you want to uh, give something towards her, just make a check out to New Covenant and put Andrea in your memo, and we'll make sure that all of that gets to her as well. She's been doing some really great work down there, and I hope if you're not friends with her on Facebook, then you haven't seen all the cool stuff that's been going on, but it's been a really good journey for her, and it's been a blessing. So if you want to get out on the blessing, then cough it up. <laughs> Just going to say it like it is. I like to be blessed. I give my money to bless stuff, and my stuff gets blessed. I got a washer and a dryer that ain't broke ever. For years. Now, my wife's like, I want a new one. I said, I'm sorry, the anointing is on this one. It won't die. So she might be sabotaging it. She's like, I don't know how those nuts and bolts got in there when the. Whatever. Also, we participate with open arms. We uh, do some outreach with them by providing a meal 
on Wednesday nights, I believe that is, right? Is it Wednesday nights? And so, um, it, you know, we're always in need of food to help prepare that and, and offer that. And so I'm going to pass this sign-up sheet around, and it's just got lots of different items for the Sloppy Joe meal that we're going to be doing. This stuff is due next Sunday, the 16th. So if you write your name down, you have committed. And we will come to your house and take it if you don't bring it. But please, please, if you would, sign up some stuff. Put your name down. We'll start it over here. Take it to the back. You come over here. Bring it to the front. The dents will bring it over here. It'll go to the back. And Brian will send it over. And it'll end up with algae where it should. That's a good idea, don't you think? Is it a good idea? Okay. All right. All right, well, oh, also, Eric and family are on vacation for a couple of weeks. Yeah, they're going to be gone the next two Sundays, so we want to keep them in our prayers. Also, this morning, Shelly Hansen speaking at a Full Gospel Temples Youth Ministry, and so she's uh, doing the mission of New Covenant and raising up young people and imparting the glory of God, and she's got her entourage with her, I think. It's nice. You guys all have your entourages. Mike Brown's got one. Shelly Hansen's got one. All I can get is my two-year-old to follow me around. And it's just because he wants a banana. It's, that's it. I mean, I'm like, come here, give me a hug. No! Run off. I have food. I have toys. You want these things, don't you? Yeah, well, okay, so since you brought it up. <laughs> for those of you who are, are kind of new to the New Covenant, maybe you've started coming the last three months. By the way, my name's Tom. <laughs> I am the executive pastor here and co-founder of this church. Back in 1997, I helped start this thing and build it and been here ever since. And... Uh, but if you've been, if you just started showing up in the last few months, you haven't seen me because I've been on a sabbatical, which is a big fancy word for a long vacation focused on God. And that's what I've been doing, and it's been really good. Did some all kinds of cool stuff, and I just, man, I, there's so many things we're going to be talking about for weeks, things that we're going to go through as a church because there's some stuff that we need to take care of. As my eyes have been opened, it's my personal journey. I'm, I, it's open now to our corporate one. And so we're gonna, we are going to deal some business. We've been dealing business, and we're going to keep dealing business, but just some different, going to add some things in that we've kind of neglected as a church. But um, as far as the handsome hobo look <laughs> that I'm sporting, just want you to know it is not an indicator that I'm homeless. I have a home, I have a place to lay my head at night. It's a very small home, but it's, it's good, it's where I go. Now, back in December, I decided I wanted to do something different, but I didn't know what I wanted to do, so I just thought, why am I even gonna bother with any of this, so. And I still don't know what I'm gonna do. Right now, it's mostly just to annoy all my sisters in the Lord. <laughs> I mean. That's really the only reason I'm, I probably am keeping it now is just like I keep hearing about how annoying it is and I just love that. You know, I was, I was raised with three sisters and so I perfected annoyance of the female person. I perfected it and I miss it. I know I'm saved and you're supposed to love everybody but sometimes you just gotta poke them with a beard. You just poke them with your beard. You just go, hi, have you met my beard today? <laughs> so, there it is. We don't know what we're going to do. That's right. And it's funny because everywhere else in the world, they just love bearded men. I've had so many dudes go, dude, oh, I wish I could. I'm like, I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. It's just, you know, you just got to have the strength and perseverance to push through, to not do anything. But it is good to be back in the saddle today, and I got, we're going to, like I said, we're going to flip-flop things because today I want to share something 
that happened during my, my sabbatical, and I, I feel like I need to get this out like kind of right now and just say it because this is a part of my journey, and I think um, it'll, it'll speak something to, to many of us. Um, and a lot of good things, like I said, have happened while I was gone on my sabbatical. 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 Now, I will say I'm a little disappointed that revival didn't break out while I was gone. I was sure that once uh, I was out, out of the picture, then everybody would go, finally, we can have fun around here. No, but you need me. Unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at that, I'm here. But I am happy to hear that things didn't fall apart in my absence. I'm, I'm so very thankful for all the hardworking leaders that we have and volunteers that really keep our church working. You know, Mike and Ashley picked up a, a huge bunch when it came to worship and keeping things going. And the young adult uh, ministry, Mike was uh, helping with that. And Eric, you know, took up a lot of stuff for me. So it really makes me happy to know that if I died, you'd all keep going on. I don't plan to die soon, but I'm happy to know. Um, but I'm also anxious to share some of the revelations that I received while I was gone. And so today, um, I'm going to share just a small part of my journey. Um, and, and, and what I'm going to share today is kind of out of the norm for me. Um, but I, again, I, I, I feel an urgency to get this out there before I start kind of spending several weeks um, talking about what God did in me um, concerning healing and, and deliverance and, and revelation. Um, so today what I, I want to share with you is I want to share with you um, some dreams that I had. And, and I don't mean like one day I hope to be a movie star kind of dreams. I mean like night dreams, like, you know, you go to sleep and you have a dream. I've been a dreamer for most of my Christian life, um, and, and why would I want to share them with you? Well, I, you know, like I said, throughout my Christian life, I've, I've dreamed spiritual dreams, um, dreams that I believe are from God uh, speaking to me. If I were to kind of recount all of the message, the dreams that I, I had, you know, through the years, it would probably be upwards of hundreds. I, I just... I just dream a lot. I can remember my dreams. Even before I was serving the Lord, I dreamed a lot. Um, and a lot of them I've documented through the years, and a lot of them I've just completely forgotten. <clears throat> and many of my dreams, um, after I, I came into the, to the Lord, a lot of my dreams had to deal with demons. I would, I would deal with demons in my dreams. Um, I would be fighting them. I would be, uh, you know, Cursing them, casting them out, rebuking them, commanding them in the name of Jesus. You know, I was always in war with, with these um, spirits. Some of my dreams have even about, been about some of you, as I'm sure some of you have dreamed about me, you know. But <clears throat> it wasn't until last year, in tw 2014, that I, I realized that God had been giving me um, prophetic dreams. In other words, uh, dreams about the future. And I'll give you two kind of short examples of what I'm talking about. <clears throat> Back in October of 2013, um, I had a dream about a ship. And it was an old, you know, kind of Pirates of the Caribbean looking ship. And the ship was being beat up and was tearing apart in this storm. At one point, some of the crew um, threw ropes around the ship to try to keep it from tearing apart. Um, another crew member came and went to the back of the boat and let out all the water that had accumulated in the ship uh, that, from this storm and from it kind of falling apart. And so the ship was sinking, um, but when the water went out the back, um, the ship kind of came back up into to top of the water but then it did a nosedive, and it was like bobbing, like a, like a bobber, you know, or a, what are they, those things in fishing? Is that a bobber? Yeah. Okay. So it was just kind of, just like a bobber. And then two giant squid come out of the water, and they tow this ship 
into shore. And so after that happened, and, and in my dream now, I'm, I'm standing on a beach, and I'm, I'm watching, um, and the ship is like docked up on the shore. And then all of a sudden, fish start swimming out of the water to my feet. And I mean, they just start swimming up, and I just reach down, and I'm picking them up, and I just make a big pile of fish right behind me. And so at the, at the end of the dream, you know, the ship's saved. There's fish here that I knew, uh, a multitude of fish that were provisioned for, like, this entire crew. Now, when I had that dream in October of 2013, I had no idea what it meant. I could not figure it out. I shared it with Eric. I shared it. We were meeting with Lynn and, and Bill Roberts at that time, and I shared it with those guys. I shared it with several others here in the church, and no one really had an idea of what it meant. And it wasn't until December of that year that God started to show me what the meaning of the dream was. And it was really because of some circumstances that we were going through as a church. See, in December uh, of that year, we had a small exodus of people. They just kind of left the church to go do something else, go do uh, you know, another ministry. Um, at that time, we were experiencing a lot of complaining with people in the church rumblings, you know, gossip about stuff, just, it was not good, and Eric's son Joel at that time, he was paralyzed um, from the waist down, and so things got really bad, and when that small group of people kind of left our church, our numbers, of course, went down, and so did our finances, in fact, um, we couldn't even cover our payroll for a few weeks um, in January. So at that point, the Lord began to show me that the ship dream was about what we were going through as a church. And when the Lord showed me that the meaning of my dream had to do with what we were going through as a church, I had complete and total peace about what we were going through as a church. Because God had spoke to me, and in the end, the ship was saved and there was much provision. And so, when, when I, you know, I was fretting over people leaving, fretting over finances, but, but when I, I had that revelation, I knew the Lord was saving us. And he's done that. And so this was the first time that I realized that God had given me a dream, a prophetic, predictive dream, about things to happen. Another example of this in my life was in March of 2014. In that dream, um, I was talking to two different people who are very dear and, and close to me. And in the beginning of that dream, I was talking to the first person, and this person was talking to me very harshly. Um, it was very... Um, talking to me very, in a very rude, a very dishonoring way, very disrespectful. And, and it was like, it was almost like they were trying to hurt my heart. That's what I felt in my dream. It was like they were trying to hurt me, like they just wanted me to just feel bad. And I was, I was really hurting from how they were talking to me. So then in the dream, I turn and I look into another room and, and there's this, another person there, a second person, um, and so I called to them to get their attention, you know, like, hey, uh, you know, because I, I wanted to talk to them. And they don't hear me. And so I call a second time, and I got their attention. Well, then this person starts talking to me and becomes very angry, very harsh, very dishonoring, very disrespectful to me. And, I mean, my heart was hurting. I was like, these are two people... I considered I have great relationships with. And I am hurting because the way they're talking to me. And I just, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe these two people were treating me this way. And so I woke up from that dream and I think about it. 
And in the natural, I say, no, this is crazy. I can't believe that either of these people would treat me like this in my dream. So I, I just dismiss it, and I just go on. Well, in a couple of months, I have encounters with both people. And they were painful encounters. My heart was hurt. And as a matter of fact, the encounters that I had in in real life, they happened in the exact same order that they actually happened in my dream. And so it was at that point again that the Lord reminded me. And I... I just, I started to, to come to understand that God is speaking to me prophetically through my dreams. And so it's with this understanding that I'm going to share what I, I want to share today. And I don't know why I'm emotional about it, but it's just powerful because it's so, so real for me. Um, and what I'm going to share today, these dreams could be prophetic or they could be nothing. Okay? I am not presenting what I dreamed about to you today as thus saith God. I present these to be judged against the word of God. And for you to seek a confirmation from the Holy Spirit. That's all I expect. And so as I share these dreams, I want you to know I love you. And I want you to have the same information that I have. So I'm just going to read through these dreams. And if you want to pull up the PowerPoint, <clears throat> I'm just going to read through them. And, 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 and then I'm going to share what I believe some of the meaning is. And so these were very extremely vivid for me and very detailed. So here we go, okay? You can read along. You can just listen, whatever. In my first dream... I was in a large swimming pool, and all of a sudden, the sky turned stormy, and clouds came in. I knew they were clouds from God, and they were not nature clouds. As the storm came in, we were instructed to hold on to the bottom of the pool. And since we were in the shallow end, I could actually touch the bottom with my hand. And so I had Benjamin with me, and my wife Michelle had our son David. So I grabbed Benjamin, and I grabbed the bottom of the pool. And it was just then a flash of lighting hit behind us, and it was very bad. And I thought, this is going to be a terrible storm. And then next, the clouds began to churn and start to roll, and there was just this tumultuous activity, and I knew that this was the Lord. Next, another lightning bolt shot out of one of the clouds, and it hit an electricity pole. And all of the electricity went out everywhere. And I could, in the, while I'm still in the pool, I could see an entire city in the distance. And the city lost all of its power, everything. I mean, everyone and everything lost power. And I thought, this is it. <laughs> this is the end of days. Jesus is coming back. And then the water in the pool turned into clouds. And Benjamin and I began to be swept away. And since in my dream I knew and believed that this was the end of days. And that Jesus was returning. I started to declare Jesus as Lord. I started praising him. I started declaring Jesus as Savior. I love you Jesus. Forgive me of my sins as the weight of his holiness started to, to bear down on me. And that was the end of that dream. Now this, this night I had five dreams in one night. So this next one is just another, this is another part to the same night. So I, I dream a second dream that same night. And now I'm in my car in Spiceland. It's at Spiceland Pike Road, where it comes out right there at uh, State Road 3, where the prime restaurant used to be, you know. And as I'm sitting there in my car, this terrible storm is is upon us. 
and um, then the rain starts to come, and it's, it's just terribly heavy. And so I turn right onto State Road 3, and I start going up the hill. And as I get toward the top of the hill, the wind is almost now like a tornado. Trash cans are being blown everywhere. I can see a car come over the top of the hill, and it swerves to miss, miss a bunch of the <clears throat> trash cans. And then the car behind it slams on their brakes and almost hits them. And so then at the top of the hill, when I get to the top, it, it becomes, you know, and, and we all know what's up there. It's just there's some houses and, you know, and you go over onto TSC and whatever. But it, in my dream, right at the very crest of that hill on three there, it just becomes a, a neighborhood, a residential neighborhood. And I see there's a car turned over and the wind is, is even picking up even more. And now that I'm at the top of the hill, I get out, and a relative of mine is there. And her house is just a few feet away. And so I, I then I peer out, I look into the distance, and I see a tornado on the ground, and it's coming toward us. And there are people coming out of their houses, and everybody's just looking around. And I see a few people go over to the car that's turned over to kind of help those people. And I tell my relative, I tell... I say that we need to go inside. But she blows me off and says, hey, get that PowerPoint back if you would, please. Not the same one? Yeah, you went too far or something. Maybe I skipped this one. All right, black it out and listen. So anyway, so I tell my, I tell my relative we need to go inside, and she blows me off and says that the skies are clearing up. And so I look behind me, and I can see the blue skies are opening up. But I look above us, and, and I kind of just like gives me this wider view for some reason. And I can see that the clouds are spinning right over us in a large circle. And I tell her, I said, well, the skies are blue because we're in the eye of another tornado. But she's not buying it. She is totally skeptical and that ends that dream. So now here's the next one that same night. This is the one I get a hold of. Yeah, there it is. So that same, that next, the next dream that same night, <clears throat> I'm trying to get a hold of Michelle and tell her about the storm. And I realize that she is at work, and I go to her office building. And I see her working, but I don't think she sees me, so I kind of walk over into her line of of sight, and she notices me, but she's talking with another lady about something important, and she can't talk to me. And so I think what, once maybe she's finished, she will be able to leave with me. So as I'm waiting, I walk over to some windows, and I see these very thick and heavy, dark clouds that are just, like they're just hanging in the sky. They're just suspended. And so finally, Michelle comes over to where I'm at, and I notice the clouds are really low in the sky and that you can almost touch them uh, on the second floor, which was where I, I realize I'm at now. I'm on the second floor. And then I notice a tree in the office, and that tree has some pieces of this black cloud on it. And so I grab a piece of the cloud, and it's kind of, it feels, you know, rubber, like foam rubber, you know, it's just squishy. And, but if you squeezed it enough and you just kind of played with it, messed with it enough, it became this like watery, oily liquid. And so <clears throat> I grab some more of it and I, I, I mess with it and it too becomes liquid. So then I look up and I notice that there is no ceiling over this part of the building. And it's like they, they added this part of the section, this section onto the building, but they didn't put a roof over it. And it's a room with all these computers in it. And so I, I asked this lady who's there, I said, what do you do when it rains? And she said, well, we just put tarps over everything. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, that's dumb. That's funny. Ha <laughs> ha. I don't know why you would do that. And as you can see in my dream, I said, that's not good since this is a bank. I realize I'm in a bank at this point. 
So then I look out another window and I see another big black cloud, only this one just disintegrates in front of me. Just and I see, and I say, see, look, these clouds are exploding. And then I see all the particles from this cloud, they just drift into this room because there's no ceiling, and they just come in, and that was the end. So then this is the last dream for that night. So now I'm standing on a shoreline, and I'm looking out at sea, and I see this large, slender stone structure come up out of the water. And I th- these are the thoughts in my head that I have while I'm standing there in my dream looking at this. And I say, uh, the thought is, that must be the abyss where Satan is being held. I turn and I th- begin to walk away towards a, th- a city, I think. And it, again, my next thought is, the millennial reign of Jesus is a really long time, a thousand years of peace. Now Satan is going to bring unhindered sin and destruction on the earth and everyone is going to suffer. And that ended that night's session of dreams. So then, <clears throat> when I woke up, it was, it was so overwhelming. I, I couldn't go back to sleep. It was like 5 in the morning. And I documented those, and I wrote them down. And I was like, God, what in the world is this all about? But I just kind of left it off to the side. And that was all in one night. <clears throat> well, then I have another dream on June 28th. And I'll share that one with you now. In this one, I dreamed that Michelle and I were in a a shop or a store or an office of some kind. It was a place of business, but there was no one in it. And so we both started looking around, and I said to Michelle, I said, I can't believe Craig would just leave like this. Now, I don't know why I said Craig. It wasn't a Craig that I knew. It just, I just knew the guy who owned this shop, his name's Craig, and I couldn't believe he was gone. So Michelle kind of kept looking around, and I sat down at a desk, and I hit the power button on the computer to turn it on so I could pass the time while Michelle was still looking around. Well, instead of it turning the computer on, it actually turned it off because the computer was in standby mode. And so... I look down at the keyboard, and I notice that it's a special one-handed keyboard. And it has all of the letters kind of in different places, and it's designed to be used with the left hand. It's a one-handed, left-handed keyboard. I don't know, maybe I need to create that and be a millionaire. But anyway, that's what it was. And so I'm just, I'm bewildered by this, and I'm sitting here, and Michelle's still looking around, and then I hear this faint message come on the radio in the background. And it's an emergency broadcast message, you know, that, you know, this is the emergency broadcast, this is a test, and only, to, only I don't hear any of that, I just hear faint message, but I can't hear all the details. Next thing, the whole room that we're in is filled with several Boy Scouts. And they're all carrying different food items like sugar and canned goods. And I ask one of them, I I go, is this like some kind of drill you guys are doing? Because I was a Boy Scout. I I spent years in Boy Scouts, almost made it to an eagle and screwed it up, but whatever. (laughs) But I know the Boy Scouts, all right? And so I'm like, hey, this must be for a mirror badge. That's what I'm thinking, you know. Are you guys doing a drill? And he said, no. This is the real thing. And I said, come on. I mean, I was like, I just, I was like, no way. Really? And at this point, I realized that this guy I'm talking to was a friend of mine who is a prophetic musician from another church. And he looks at me as serious as he possibly can. And he says, yes, this is really happening. He said, and then he says, 105 million people heard a boom in the north. And so at that point, I was convinced, and I grabbed Michelle, and I put my, I was trying to start putting my laptop away in my bag, and we left. So the next scene I'm in, we're at a gas station, and I'm still packing my laptop for some reason. I'm still trying to get it in my bag. 
And I tell Michelle I need to use the restroom, and then the dream ends. So, that was pretty heavy for me. I shared it with Eric and shared it with Mike and Alger and feel like I just need to share some stuff about what I, I see and feel about this and because again I, I love you guys and, and I want you to have the same information that I think I have. But before I, I, I get into some of the meaning of certain parts of these dreams, I, I want to give a biblical precedence for prophetic dreams and the first one being probably <clears throat> one of the most famous ones that we, we realize is or no, is, is about the story of Joseph. And so, um, if you got your Bibles, you can go there. We'll, we'll put it on the screen. But in Genesis chapter 37, starting in verse 5, or if you want to take notes so you can study this later. <clears throat> Genesis 37, verse 5. It says, Joseph had a dream. <clears throat> and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Which means see, they had hated him before, and they really hate him. Verse 6, he said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, and your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Well, his brothers said to them, do you intend to rule over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Verse 9, then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. He said, listen. He didn't, he was, he's not a quick learner. He's like, I just, I got to tell everything I know. You know those people, right? They just, everything they know, they got to tell. This is Joseph. He says, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Well, when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So here Joseph has these prophetic, predictive dreams from the Lord. Now, if you study the story, what we find out is in Genesis chapter 40, we see Joseph as he's going down the life. Because after all of this, you know, his brothers hate him so much, they sell him into slavery. And just all kinds of bad stuff starts happening. He ends up in prison. And he's in prison. He's got a couple of cellmates or whatever who have dreams. <clears throat> and, um, and so in prison, he starts interpreting these guys' dreams about what theirs mean. And it goes exactly the way he interpreted it. So now he's got a reputation as a dreamer and a guy who interprets dreams, which now leads us to Genesis chapter 41. So if you want to go there, we're going to read this. And it's, it's lengthy, but we're going to go through it. Genesis 41, starting in verse 14. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. And when he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it is said that you, of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. So then Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream I was standing on the bank of the Nile, when out of the river there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. And then after them seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all of the land of Egypt. And the lean... uh, The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up first. But even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before, and then I woke up. 
In my dreams, I also saw seven heads of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk. And after them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin and scorched by the east wind. And then the thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. And I told this to the magicians, but none could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all of the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered, because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God. And God will do it. And so now if we, and if you're wondering, then we go on with Joseph's life. And if you're wondering, you know, if his own prophetic dream came true, we can see that in Genesis chapter 42, verse 6, it says, Now Joseph was the governor of the land because, you know, he, he was now running all of Egypt. And so he was the governor of the land, the one who sold grain to all his people. And when his brothers arrived, because they were looking for grain, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. Now, a great example of this, of prophetic dreaming, is also in the New Testament. When you look at Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas, Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So here we have both an Old and New Testament Examples of God speaking to his people through prophetic dreams. Um, another scripture that we can use to support even this is in Joel chapter 2, in verse 28. And it says, Afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And your young men will see visions. Now, I don't quite appreciate the fact that old men are the dreamers. <laughs> and here's what I think. I also have visions, so I'm both. I'm going to be right in the middle. But it's a prophetic promise that God would pour out his spirit and that we, the people of God, would dream dreams, that we would see visions. And the context of this statement is in a bigger prophetic promise that begins in the first verse of, of Joel, verse 1. It says, Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy hill, and let all who live in the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is close at hand. Clearly, God speaks to us through prophetic dreams. So, what do I think is being said in my dreams? Well, I'm going to go through some of what the symbolism that I believe is there. You can write these down. You can pray about them. You can get your own meaning. 
whatever. But I'm going to share what I feel in my heart. In my first dream, when I go to grab the bottom of the pool, to me, this represents having an anchor. When you're in the water and you need to stabilize, you drop an anchor. And we know that in the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews tells us in in, uh, chapter 6, verse 9, he says that our hope is in God's promises and his unchanging nature is an anchor for us. A swimming pool, to me, it means a spiritual place like a church or a family or a home. Um, The electricity means power, as in like the Holy Spirit. Power lines um, can represent spiritual power. Clouds um, can represent change, or it could mean like a covering. In fact, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7, it says, it says, Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. Now, in my second dream, with the tornado, a tornado can mean disturbance, can mean change, can mean spiritual warfare. It can mean judgment. In my third dream, with Michelle working at the bank building, the absence of a roof means no covering or no oversight. And when I asked what happens when it rains... Rain speaks of, uh, to me, about a rainy day. You know, like a, like a rainy day is, is, is an, when unexpected problems arise, especially in the finance world, right? You know, we have an emergency fund for what? A rainy day. And so I asked this lady, I said, well, what are you doing on a rainy day? And she said, well, we just throw tarps over everything. Okay, this is going to, it blew my mind, and it's going to blow yours, so just get ready to go. So I'm sharing this dream with Jeff Hughes weeks ago. And so when I tell him that part of the dream, he goes, he goes, well, um, you know what tarp is, right? And I went, yeah, it's a big piece of plastic or canvas. And he goes, no, no tarp, the government program. And I went, what are you talking about? And he informed me that when the markets crashed in 2008, that the government enacted TARP. TARP stands for the Troubled Asset Relief Program. And it was a program of the United States government to purchase the assets of all these failing banks and the equity of these financial institutions to be able to strengthen the financial sector. And it was signed into law um, by uh, President Bush on October 3rd, 2008. And it was a component of the government's measure uh, in 2008 to address the subprime mortgage crisis. So are we going to see another TARP program? I don't know. Now, in my fourth dream, which was the one where the stone came up out of the water, that short little thing, it was, and I didn't know this at the time until I I looked it up, but I was basically referencing Revelation chapter 20 in that scripture. So go write it and read it. In my last dream, where Michelle and I were in the abandoned office, um, an office means a place or a position of authority. And it was abandoned. I said, I can't believe Craig would just leave. Well, the name Craig means rock. It also means one who lives near a crag. And, and a crag is a steep or rugged 
cliff or rock face, as in where eagles like to nest. And then in my dream, all the Boy Scouts show up. And like I said, I was a Boy Scout growing up. And so I know that the Boy Scout motto is be prepared. If you want to know the slogan, it's do a good turn daily. I can recite the Scout Law and the Scout Oath if you'd like to hear those as well. Still remember them. But the Boy Scout motto is be prepared. And when those Boy Scouts came in, they had in their hands food items. Now, you know, when I'm talking to this guy and he says there was a boom in the north, I don't know what that means. I don't have any idea. I do know that north can mean spiritual It can mean judgment. It can mean spiritual warfare, as in taking our inheritance. The guy I'm talking to, he was a prophetic musician, a friend of mine, and he was telling me this is really happening. And I was very skeptical. I didn't even want to believe it. And I thought it was interesting that here I am standing as a prophetic musician, And I'm sharing this information with you. And you might be feeling skeptical. I was trying in my dream to also pack my laptop away. Well, when you see or use a laptop in your dream, sometimes it can represent um, your need to reach out and communicate with others in other circumstances. And then finally, I was... Uh, we ended up at a gas station. And gasoline is, uh, can be the equivalent of prayer. And the dream ends with me going to a gas station, which to me, it represents going to prayer and everything that I've seen. So, Here is what I feel God is saying to me in all of this. I feel like the Lord is showing me that there could be possibly a disruption in our lives. I think he's showing me there could be a disruption in the area of electricity. could be another disruption in the banking world. And as the Boy Scouts came prepared with food that I personally may need to prepare with food. Now, why would God possibly present these things to me? Because here's the thing. I'm not a conspiracy guy. I'm not a doomsday prepper. I've seen the show for entertainment purposes. That guy's crazy. (laughs) But I'm not a doomsday prepper. I am not even a guy who gets into end-time prophecy stuff. I know some of it. I've read some. I've just enough to know little. But it's not my bread and butter. So I, I don't live, you know, in this world. So why would God show me? Well, Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11 is one of our favorite scriptures I'm sure most of you love. It says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Listen. In every day of our lives, God has a good plan for you. He has a plan for every minute of every day of your life. Everything. And for those of us who have uh, have chosen to be in covenant with God, 
Those plans are designed to give us hope and a future. You see, when Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream about famine, God gave Joseph a plan to save the entire nation. And it was a good plan. And it gave them hope. And it did give them a future. But listen, here's what we need to realize. That just because God's plan is good and it gives us hope and it gives us a future, it does not mean that it's always going to be an easy plan. How many of you realize it took a whole bunch of work to prepare for seven years of famine? And every bit of it was good. It was a good God plan that brought hope and a future to the entire nation. There's another good plan that we can read about in Scripture, and it's the one that God gave Noah. God told Noah to go build a boat so that Noah could have hope and future. How many of you guys realize that building a boat on dry land for 100 to 120 years is not an easy plan? It's a good plan, but it's not an easy one. And if we read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, it tells us that by faith, Noah, when when Warned about things not yet seen in holy fear. Everybody say holy fear. Holy fear. He built an ark to save his family. And by his faith, he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Noah obeyed God in holy fear. Ultimately, it was a miracle that God performed through Noah. In fact, if we read in Genesis chapter 7, verse 16, it says that the animals were going in, male and female, of every living thing, as God, uh, as God had commanded Noah. And then here's the miracle. And then the Lord shut him in. Noah had to build the boat But God supernaturally shut him in. I believe that whatever may come in the future, that we, us, the church, all the churches, That we are to be an outstanding light that shines in darkness. We are to be the ones who shine the brightest in the midst of chaos or confusion or disruption. So listen to me real close. What I am not saying right now now is that this is a time that we should be selfish withdrawn and fearful we are not to be selfish or withdrawn or fearful none of those characteristics should ever mark the people of God We are a faith-filled, miracle-working people who hear the voice of God and we obey the good plan that's going to give us prosperity and hope and a future. That's who we are to be. And for me personally... I am personally taking steps to prepare my family 
possible disruptions. Ultimately, I hope nothing will happen. I hope nothing that I've seen is going to come close. I like my comfortable life. I love being able to go to Kroger any day of the night or morning, afternoon, and get exactly whatever I want. I love it. And I hope nothing happens. And here's what I'm doing to try to help that along is I'm praying for America. I'm praying that America will come back to God and get off this road that's headed for the cliff. And while I am not saying that I think Jesus is coming back this month or tomorrow or whenever, the months to come, I am going to say that the Bible tells us to be ready for his return. Be ready for his return. Are you ready for when Christ returns to the earth? Well, I personally am following the Boy Scout motto. And I am preparing my heart. And I am preparing my home. Today I'm preparing the people of God. The worship team would come up. I got one more scripture in Isaiah I want to read. Isaiah chapter 40. Starting in verse 3, it says, A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord and make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground, rough ground shall become level, and the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all of mankind together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. As I shared from Joel that says that God pours out his spirit and that we would be dreamers. There are other people I know of that are dreaming. Dreams from God. Sharing this with Alex Fulton, and he had a dream almost similar to the one I had. If you want to know what that is, look, ask him about it. I've talked to other people. God's people are dreaming, and it's not just pizza. It's in the Word of God that this is to happen. Again, I'm not telling you what I had and saw. Thus saith God, I'm telling you, you have an obligation because I have an obligation. This is a sphere of my authority that I share these things with you. And I ask you to just pray. That's all. Go into your Bibles and ask the Lord for confirmation. Ask the Lord for revelation. Whatever you do, if you do anything, you have to be in faith. If you get scared for one minute, that plan will not end in hope in a future. It is faith that paves the way for that hope in future to happen. When we get scared and we want to act selfish and we think, oh God... You may or may not take us. You may or may not take care of us. You are on a plan that didn't come from heaven. God's plan is full of faith. It's full of prosperity and hope and a future. So I, today I humbly just, I wanted to say this. I just wanted to get it out there. Maybe it's confirming what you already know. 
Maybe it's causing you to think, I don't know. I'm not going to tell you what to do. But pray, judge it against the word of God. And let the Holy Spirit bring confirmation. If there's anything you need to do to prepare your heart, prepare your home, and help prepare the people of God. Amen. If we could have the ushers come forward, we'll receive our offering real quick. Father, we just want to thank you for this opportunity to give to you again. Father, we just thank you for the provision that you've given us to give. We thank you, Lord. It's an honor. We thank you, Lord. It's like a sweet incense into your throne room that, Lord, as we give. So, Lord, I thank you that you are here and your presence is always here with us. You never leave us nor forsake us. That's a promise in your word. And I thank you, Lord, that we have an opportunity to come and worship you and to praise you and to give you glory. We thank you, Lord, that you are speaking in this hour to hearts of people and men and women. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the visions and dreams that speak destiny in you. I thank you so much, God, for you giving us so much. And I, above all, Lord, thank you for your goodness because your mercies are new every day. So, Lord, we just praise you and we say we love you and we want to give you all that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Feel free to come up front here to worship and to praise God and just rejoice for such a day that we live in. Let us rejoice and give him glory.